Welcome back to another episode of Dive In. I'm your host, Simran Sandhu, and today I'm joined by Kevin Moran, who's the co-founder of Beam, an extremely popular CBD-based startup that is looking to enhance wellness by focusing on balance, energy, recovery, and sleep. Now, just a quick side note here, after all of the great feedback we've gotten from you guys over the episode with Will Ahmed and Whoop, I've decided that we're going to make each episode longer, which is great because Kevin is going to share a lot of interesting insights about the consumer landscape. I'd also like to give a special shout out to our sponsor, DeliverEnd, which is looking to make it safer to shop on marketplaces like Facebook and Craigslist. Now that said, let's dive in. Kevin's so excited to have you join us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, Kevin, you have a really interesting sports background. You played baseball at Boston College, and then you played a few years in the major leagues after being drafted by the Chicago White Sox. I'd love to hear a quick rundown about that and how it eventually led to you co-founding a CBD startup. Yeah, I'll try to keep that short. It's a long story. Um, so I, I grew up in, in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, which isn't necessarily a hotbed for baseball. And um, I ended up basically kind of by a stroke of luck going to the showcase as a pitcher. I don't know if I threw 80 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour when I was maybe 16, 17 years old. And um, I was something close to 90 miles an hour as a junior in high school. And I ended up, uh, my world kind of turned pretty quickly after that showcase, ended up getting recruited by a bunch of D1 schools and a bunch of professional uh, baseball teams and ended up going to, to college at Boston, Boston College and uh, didn't really have, you know, pro aspirations on my horizon and then just kind of kept working really hard and focused on the process and got better every year. And I ended up getting drafted by the Chicago White Sox, uh, my junior year of school. And uh, kind of, it's a funny thing in life. At that point in time, I thought I was kind of destined for the major leagues after like, the, the handful of years before that, not thinking that uh, it kind of just taking it as, it as it came. But then I had a million injuries. Once I moved to professional baseball, I had Tommy John surgery. I blew out both of my knees. I tore my rotator cuff in my shoulder. Um, so I stopped playing a little bit sooner than I thought, which was gave me kind of good perspective at a young age to kind of have something taken from me that you expected to, to be your career for, for good. So uh, long story short, again, I ended up working for a big tech company, moved to Austin, Texas, uh, moved back to Boston uh, after about four years in Austin and now intro beam. Matt and I got reconnected, my co-founder there. He went to the Boston College as well and played hockey. And I started to get very much into endurance sports. I started doing Ironmans and things like that, which is, of course, what you do when you have a million injuries. <laughs> and uh, now intro CBD in 2017, we started kind of looking at the space and understanding that it was nuanced and it was really misunderstood. Um, fast forward to 2018, uh, Matt and I were training for the Boston Marathon and started looking at some products and had kind of our own experience with them from an efficacy perspective, how they made us feel. Started looking at the brands. No one was really talking the demographic that we thought we could. And um, we just saw a really big business opportunity through talking to our networks of professional athletes. And um, we just kind of launched as quickly as we could to get some consumer feedback. And the rest has really been history. Appreciate the context there because it really is fascinating. What were some of the big takeaways or insights from your sports career that you still find yourself applying in what you're doing today? Yeah, it's so similar. Um, you know, having things taken away from you quicker than you necessarily think at a young age, like I said, gave me a really good perspective. I realized that um, of course there's a lot worse things that happen to people in life, but you know, it, it, it taught me that to an extent that the world doesn't really care what you think is, is in your path. And ultimately like if you need to continue to reinvent yourself and um, at times in life, you're going to think you're going to swim and it's very much the same as an entrepreneur. 
Um, it looks just like professional baseball did, very exciting um, from the day to day, but it's actually very mundane. Uh, so putting in the work, following the process, uh, getting a lot of no's, you're kind of like a salmon swimming upstream all the time. And just being comfortable with that and just, you know, getting through that adversity on a daily basis. I mean, we deal with stuff constantly and we were doing stuff this week that is, is very stressful and time consuming and um, isn't what might meet the eye from, you know, growing a beautiful consumer brand. So just following the process and taking small steps. Um, that, that's what I learned through athletics. And it's definitely helped me in my experience with Beam so far, particularly enough the, the really early years of, of getting started. And why entrepreneurship? You were doing well, I imagine, at the big tech company you were at. What inspired that leap? For me, with sports, it was just I just knew um, through all my injuries that something else was calling me. It wasn't the right time. I didn't. I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and start my own thing. Uh, I knew that I didn't want to work for a big corporate tech company, but I also knew that I needed to get started, get some experience, and kind of just get going um, to an extent, get some money in my pocket, and just start to build my network. And um, that was the beginning of it. I, I always knew, even when I think I was there five, five and a half, six years almost, I always knew that I was going to be doing something else on my own. I just needed to buy some time to kind of get there. Um, so for me, that was kind of all part of my process. And then once this became a real thing, I still I was at that full-time job and I counsel any entrepreneur, actually, if you're in that boat to try to stick it out for as long as you can, doing the tool at a time. It was very stressful, but we reached a breaking point where it just became very obvious that this was, I was very passionate about this. My existing job wasn't lighting me on fire um, and I needed to go do this. Um, you, only go, you only go through life once. So um, that was, that was a handful of years ago now. Right. And if you're building something while you're still at your day job, at least initially, you're not really taking that much risk. Exactly. You know what though, man, it's like if the the side of it for me was, you know, if it didn't work out, I knew and also some advice for other entrepreneurs is, something else might good, good might come from it. I was thinking, you know, I'm going to expand my, my network. I know this isn't right for me. This is what I want to do. But if it doesn't work out, I, my, I have confidence in myself to know that there will be something else, another door that will open through that potential failure even. Completely agree. How did you go about finding your co-founder, Matt? Actually, very serendipitous. Also a long story that I'll make short. My wife and I were living in a different part of the city and we had this massive flood in our apartment. Uh, we were gone for the weekend and there was, I kid you not, there was like four feet of standing water in the apartment. So we had to move out like immediately. It was kind of a pain in the butt. Um, I ended up moving into a different part of the city and Matt happened to be living in that apartment building. And we just bumped into each other and grabbed lunch and just to kind of catch up. And I was training for an Ironman at the time. And Matt's uh, one of the fittest people you'll ever meet in your life. Not on the endurance side, but it was like, hey, let me join you for a workout. And um, we, it was a brutal, like a very crushing multiple hour run with like intervals. It was a brutal workout. And he joined us and he hung on for most of it. And I, I remember getting back and be like, all right, I like this guy. Um, that, the rest was kind of history from there. And he also had an entrepreneurial bug. And we just kind of kept talking, kicking ideas around for a couple of years. And then this one kind of fell in our lap. Okay, and this is where it gets fun. You're brainstorming ideas, and I'm going to take a guess here and say that Beam probably wasn't the first idea you guys came up with. So how did you guys land on Beam? It's funny. We were, at times, uh, starting a trash company we were going to do. We were, um, gosh, there was a handful of different things that we uh, did some diligence on and, and you know, ended up landing on CBD. Um, through our own experience with it, I used to be a chronic migraine sufferer. Um, and through CBD, I've uh, alleviated that mostly in my life, which has been a good blessing, but also something that, 
you know, kind of made a light bulb go off in my head that this is a really profound market. So from an efficacy perspective, and also I think in business, you want to be in emerging markets. This is a misunderstood market and talking to athletes very quickly in our networks, they had no idea what it was. They thought they were going to fail a drug test. And our hope was in our thesis from the beginning and still is today that CBD, there are a lot of brands building their, their story around CBD as this, as an ingredient. But for us, it's a lifestyle supplement. It's no different than like a collagen protein or a fish oil or a vitamin C, something you're going to take because you know it's good for you. It just has a stigma because of its uh, sibling THC. That over the last few years has continued to kind of fall off um, and it's becoming more of a lifestyle supplement. But uh, that was our thesis from the very beginning. So we just saw a big opportunity and also really profound benefits in our lives. Um, so it, it just made sense. And I want to touch on that stigma piece. Was it difficult to try to overcome that in the beginning? Yeah, in the beginning, I'd say so. And then it was how could that's when the brand came into play. It was how can we build. We didn't want this to be beam CBD or beam whatever hemp. Um, we knew we had to build a brand that represented honesty, transparency, and compassion in what's we call a low trust, high skepticism space, right? Um, that's the industry that we're in. So how do we how do we kind of like you know bridge that gap or that connection with our with our customers? And there are a lot of ways to do that. I mean, we've been fortunate to have a lot, bunch of really great athletes and um, brand partners invest in the company and also you know do outward brand facing stuff with us. So uh, we needed to we knew we needed to build trust really really quickly in this in, in a gray space. Um, and that goes all the way to man like the the Instagram grid, the aesthetic of the brand, what the brand's called, who talks about the brand, where it shows up. It's it's really a multifaceted thing. And it's been a great learning lesson for, for us over the last handful of years. So you guys decided on this idea. Did you go write up a business plan to start or what were some of the first steps that you guys took? No, <laughs> we did the opposite of that. I think, you know, we're fortunate now to talk to a lot of early stage uh, entrepreneurs and, and there's so much that that people do, in my opinion, that is not going to move the needle before they launch something. There's there's really not any good ideas. You need to launch them, get them in the market and see if they land with customers. So for Matt and I, I think that was the athlete in us. It was, let's go buy X amount of units, build the brand, let's get a minimally viable product, something that we can get in the market and get feedback from really, really quickly. So that started with like, okay, let's buy 200 of these and sell them in two weeks. And get and get feedback uh, data back from you know when we're interacting with customers. And then once we have those data points, let's buy another you know 400 units and sell those as quickly as we can. Um, and honestly, like we still live by that today in the brand. It's like we need to move so 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 quickly. We talk about being a speedboat, not a sailboat, all, all the time. Um, and that comes from like that culture of just like pushing the envelope and living on the knife's edge. So for us, it was just we. And I know under every business is different, but in the consumer landscape, like you need to just get a product out in market and get data back as quickly as possible. And we've kind of lived from that from the beginning. And then we had, you know, before we raised our first venture round, it was, uh, we had a revenue goal that we needed to hit. And it was like, okay, this is a revenue goal we need to hit in this amount of time. What are all the things that we're doing? You know, we have Matt and I, it was just the two of us at the time. We're constrained by our resources and our time and our money. So what's the path that we've seen over the first three or six months that are going to help us do that? Let's go put all of our time and energy into that and get those data points to get to that next hurdle. And then once you get to that next hurdle, you have other things you can spend time and energy and money into, but um, it's all about doing what you need to do to get like to the, to the next point of optionality. And how did you gain the exposure in order to reach those goals that you had set up for yourselves? 
Um, well, for us, again, it, it's a good example. Influencer marketing in our space was a because of some of the descriptions we deal with on the advertising front was a good thing for us. We're not a low trust, high skepticism space again. So it was um, how can we get these products out in the market through trusted people? Um, and influencer marketing became a really good component piece of that. And then that's more on the digital side, but there's something to be said really early about like, we were just like hustling, hustling, hustling. Like I would, Matt and I very early on would set up tables at like core power yoga. I was set, I was trying to set up a table at my apartment building in downtown Boston. And we were like, that. that's revenue. And, you know, I always say to entrepreneurs early, like, it's so like, you have to get to some of these, these, like these revenue KPIs early on. So I don't care what you have to do. Go stand outside of SoulCycle. If your brand is a brand that rep, that rep, that, um, works with the soul cycle demographic, go stand outside and talk to people about your brand or pass out flyers. Um, this, honestly, the scrappiness in the early, early days is what got us. There was some more tactical digital marketing stuff, but it was more just hustling. Love it. It sounds like you guys were doing everything you could to get to where you needed to be, but the CBD space is competitive, especially right now. How did you differentiate yourself against some of the other brands or products out there? Yeah, I would say I, I fit on that too. I think one thing that always goes unsaid is, um, and I'll start here, is great great companies are built by the best people. Um, we have a really, really te- a great team that embodies the culture and the scrappiness that I mentioned. Um, they work tirelessly and we're really fortunate to have them and we wouldn't be where we are today without them. Um, so I would say if Matt and I are good at anything, it's knowing what we don't know and hiring really smart people that are smarter than us to, to do those things um, and do it quickly. So that's a first piece of it. It's just our, our team will always be our, our biggest competitive advantage. They have been since the beginning and as we've been growing. And then I'd also say uh, innovation in the space. We've innovated and created uh, really uh, functional and different products in the space. We're not building their brand around tinctures and dog treats and vapes and bath bombs. Um, we're creating functional ingredients with CBD as one component or one piece of a greater concoction that creates a benefit. So um, functional innovation, I would say. And then I guess the third thing would be a beautiful brand um, that represents the qualities that we want the brand to represent in the world. Um, and something that we've been fortunate to attract a lot of great athletes. Um, like I said, you know, Baker Mayfield's an investor and brand partner, Danica Patrick, Billy Horschel on the PGA Tour. And those were organic relationships that stemmed those people that I just mentioned from them disliking the products. Um, so those, I would say those things. And let's dive a bit deeper into your guys' products at Beam. If I go to your website now, which looks amazing, by the way, how are you guys thinking about the four categories I see here and these specific products to go along with them? Yeah, well, we have four categories of products. And again, this was this was kind of born out of customer feedback as well. You know, getting these products in market and saying, hey, why are you using these products from us? So um, balance, energy, recovery, and sleep are the are four categories. So we had people using our early products saying, these are the reasons why I'm using them. So then we thought, okay, let's build these four pillars and let's build innovative products underneath these categories that can enhance that benefit and basically serve our customer community deeper. Um, so let's just use um, sleep category as an example. Our dream product is our nanoemulsified CBD, melatonin, magnesium, reishi, alphenine, all products that create a better and more functional sleep. Um, so we, we call those stacks of ingredients it also tastes yummy and it's super efficacious. So um, then we can go to the recovery category. We have a product, Revive, which is anti-inflammatory, uh, turmeric, black pepper, white willow bark, ECGC, with our nano emulsified CBD. Um, 
So it's not just, you know, CBD is a portion of that, but how can we put, build other ingredients around that to create an even more beneficial product? Got it. And who exactly are you targeting here? Is it people like me who've never tried a CBD product before and your goal is to kind of expand the market? Or is it people who are currently using CBD and you're just trying to convert them over to your products instead? Uh, it's a good question. Really, neither, I would say. I mean, of course, we are trying to do both, but it's really, we're really trying to educate, I would say. And then from through that, we get customers. The hope is that, we, of course, we take customers from other brands like any other business at the same time educate the market as a whole where it's such in the early days of this, you know, we're in the industry. So it feels like it's happening in real time, but this industry is projected to grow really, really rapidly over the next five years. So for us, it's how can we take a ingredient like white willow bark and talk about that and have it make sense to the consumer, um, take the word cannabinoid and simplify that. Um, we're fortunate. Uh, I think, you know, through COVID, one of the, the things that have come from it is people prioritizing their health and wellness so we're fortunate to be able to be in a market where we probably have more eyes and ears that we, we otherwise wouldn't have had. Um, so then it's how can we humanize this stuff? We talk all the time about, you know, not talking about CBD, CBN, uh, CB, CBG, white willow bark. How can we take all of those things and make this real? You know what I mean? Um, so that's our biggest charter. And if we're able to educate properly, we're going to get people to come to the brand. Now, Kevin, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone who is either thinking about going down the founder journey like you have or is currently working on building their company? Yeah, I would say just just it sounds so stupid and I'll give give us now I'm like an Ironman. And as an example, like when you an Ironman is a, it's a long day, it's a two and a half mile swim, 112 mile bike and then a marathon. And when you think. If, you, if your toes are touching the water and you're about to start and you think about the hell you're about to put your body through over the next you know, anywhere between eight and 12 hours, it's really an, it's really difficult to get started. Um, entrepreneurship is the same thing. And if you just get in the water and get swimming, it's you start to like all of a sudden like you're in the middle of the swim and you're, then the swim's done. Then you're in the middle of the bike and the bike's done. And it's just following the process, not thinking, you know, the, not thinking about the bike when you're in the swim, not thinking about the run when you're in the bike. Um, just get started. You're going to have some fits and starts. There's going to be some low points in the race, um, but just stay steady and don't get too high with the high and lows with the lows. But more than anything, just get in the water and get started and be willing to make mistakes. Okay, great advice and insights from Kevin Moran, the co-founder of Beam. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, take care, everyone. Cheers.